Welcome to the Swirl Suite, everybody. This week on the podcast, me and Tanisha sit down with Elise Acheo. She's the founder of The Wine Linguist, a company focused on amplifying global cuisines in the wine industry. She is truly doing amazing work in the wine industry and it's much needed. And you're about to find out how she did it and why she got there. Here's a hint, it all started with bread. As usual, don't forget to subscribe to the Swirl Sweet Podcast while you're listening to this episode and be sure to share and tag us all. Cheers. Hi, Tanisha Hello. and Elise. How are you? Hi. How are you guys? Hey. <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing great. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Tanisha, we have not heard from you in a while. You have to tell us all about your June travel. What have you been up to? So a few things, some back and forth, went out some places. Sorry, I haven't been here in a while, but I think it was because of the crazy June schedule. Um, I had quite a few, not quite a few, I had a couple groups that I was working with in June. And so had to take them to Champaign and I was there with them. And then also went to California. I went to Napa and Sonoma for a conference um, and had a great time at the conference as far as like the actual events. Uh, I was slightly miserable because I could never get on the time. So that nine hour time difference, uh, I was in full struggle mode. Oh. I was waking up at two in the morning. Um, mm. But then when we'd be at dinner at the fancy dinners with all the wine and the networking, I'm falling asleep, fighting for my life, trying to stay awake, literally oh my holding my eyes open at the table. Oh, man. People are like, are you okay? I was like, I live in France. I can't do this. This is not ours. Yeah. This is this is insanity. And they were like, oh my goodness, you're not on the time. I was like, I am not. Oh yeah, but that's then I was rough. like, wait, right? And I was like, well, that sounds aggressive. Tanisha, you should calm down. Um, <laughs> but oh, you were responding like that. I didn't know it was like in your head. But you were like straight up, like I am not okay. I'm not okay. <laughs> no, one time I said that I was like, oh, Tanisha, that wasn't your head. That actually came out of your mouth. Like as oh, words and vibrations through your lips. That was out loud. Mm. And I was like, oh, oh no. no. And I was like, you know what? Now I have to hide from this person the rest of the week. Um, right. <laughs> and then it would be these nice fancy dinners it would be like five and six courses and it's wine everywhere and I don't get to drink California wine and so I'm like oh let me take part in everything mm. but I can't hold my head up and wine makes me sleepy also so I'm just like sure well maybe if my actual sleepiness plus the wine maybe that'll cancel each other out that's not that's absolutely not how any of this works nope so <laughs> that um that wasn't it at all Mm. but I made it through did what I had to do took great pictures got good video at some point it will get to Instagram so people will know what happened we'll see but then from there I flew to part work largely vacation I flew to Senegal and so Mm. I spent some time in um, Senegal we went to the beach and then also spent some time in Dakar Um, got the history Mm. lesson saw the statue went to Gori Island I cried it was emotional and then proceeded to walk out and uh, all the women were trying to sell me fans and bracelets and refrigerator magnets. So I had to pull it together right fast and be like, oh my gosh, stop following me. I'm not buying none of your stuff. Leave me alone. Right. They literally followed us to the boat. It was seven of them. Hello, nice lady. We have some bracelets. <laughs> oh nice God. lady. Hello. Not the nice lady. <laughs> Hello, nice lady. Because you can't prove them wrong now that you're not nice, right? That's why they say it. I mean, <laughs> ma'am. You, you send me ma'am. videos of Thailand. You ma'am them too. back? 
Yes, and then we also did a safari. We we went to a lion reserve and then we went to safari. So with the lion reserve, you go in this like truck that has a gate completely covered it. So we were completely covered. The drivers will throw meat on top of the gate. <gasps> donkey meat. Apparently oh, no. lions love that. So I guess that's like if someone threw a cookie at me, I'm going to jump on top of a van to I eat I mean, they're playing with so your they life. they threw the donkey meat. But it's a gate. So it's like he can't get in. The thing is, when he's eating it, like, mm. you know, when you eat, like, stuff falls out of your mouth. You drool. I mean, you're a lion. Oh. Like, that's what happens. Ah, so okay. he was doing that but of course he was eating over me and once he started eating and I heard like the bones crunch I was like this is probably not a good place for me to stand or sit so I'm gonna move to the other side but then one of the girls in the truck <laughs> as soon as it climbed up she jumped out of her seat and fell on the floor and so I couldn't stop laughing like full tears laughing because she jumped on the ground so quickly i'm like it's not in here with us it is literally <laughs> a whole entire game i'm sorry i probably i don't know if i would have jumped on the floor but i would have did something it's a lion they eat they destroy you of they, course but, but it's not like it was just on us like it was a yeah. whole gate between us so like and it yeah. couldn't Listen, get in it's survival so, instinct right right but it right. didn't need to survive because it had <laughs> i mean i was good the lion didn't need to survive because it had the donkey meat so it was like i'm gonna focus on this i don't need these humans moving around down there because mm-hmm. i got this fresh mm-hmm. donkey meat so wow that. um so there were two of them one was on like the front hood and another one jumped on the top and those were both the mm. males then later we drove around and saw some um female ones um they jumped up a little bit too but the females were largely unbothered they would look at the mm. truck and then turn back around they wouldn't even turn to face us so we can get a photo which i thought was hilarious <laughs> mm. Safari park giraffes hippopotamus zebras antelopes um some kind of weaver birds or something like that that were flying around um but that was really cool to see those things like up close um and they were like okay don't get out of the car we were sitting there like we're not white you don't have to tell us that (laughs) we're all gonna stay in here not and then then they said it again i was like this is not your audience that you have to tell to not get out we're not gonna get out we're not gonna put our hands out we're not going to put a finger out. We're not going to put a leg out. We're not going to try to jump out to get a closer shot. You're safe with us. We're mm-hmm. staying inside this vehicle. Mm-hmm. And we did. We didn't even lean up trying to get photos for real. We're like, if Zoom doesn't do it, then we just can't have a photograph. Sure. No, seriously. There's this girl um, I follow on TikTok. And all she does is post stories of how people have been like severely injured or murdered by wild animals or even domestic pets okay and lions Mm -hmm. that's the one lions hippos she she showed the how giraffes use their necks to fight i'm good we saw all of this now there wasn't any covering on us when we were in the um on the safari part but we weren't close like the yeah. animals, like we can see them kind of from a distance. Like we actually did have to zoom in on our cameras to get uh, photos and videos of them. I was fine with that. And nothing was even like looking like it was coming at the truck. It was a couple of times things crossed in front of us. And, you know, I kind of was like, <gasps> but we were fine. It was, it wasn't a thing. I asked the guy, I was like, how fast can this go? 
like if you floor it how fast does that go and he's like well you know um a hippopotamus is actually quite fast yeah I was like okay so and I thought about I was like well I just have to be faster than two people in this truck so that's really (laughs) all I need to do I need to have distraction so I can escape right that is a distraction I'm gonna just keep it moving okay uh and then a couple of trips to champagne as soon as i got back and then that concludes the travel senegal also they make wine i had a rosé from senegal really i enjoyed it yeah i took a little video of me having that um i looked crazy because i was on the beach and it was after the day uh so we had sweated out all makeup the skin mm. was a red but we were tasting rosé so we were always right with the world and then they have this uh liqueur that they make and they make it out of a whole bunch of different types of fruits. But B-Sap is like their main thing. Everybody's telling them, oh, you got to have a B-Sap. They got B-Sap juice. Blah, blah, blah. And I had a B-Sap cocktail after the um, after we saw the, uh, not, I'm about to say lions and tigers and bears. After we saw the zebras and giraffes <laughs> and all of that. After we saw all of that, it was um, the B-Sap uh, gin sparkling water and some lime juice oh, so de- something amazing. else that I couldn't pick up it was so delicious and refreshing mm-hmm. I was like well it gotta buy this like liquor it. so okay. I found it at the store uh because we went to the grocery store I found it there and then they also had a cream one I was like well I, I am a sucker for cream liqueurs so I'm like well I have to get this so got that and um yeah haven't tasted them yet but uh, when I do I will report back I think that was it. Eight great, eight great. Um, also, Senegal was uh, colonized by the French, so they speak French. The grocery stores are French. I get over there, mm-hmm. my French is flawless. I can't speak to Parisians, but the Senegalese, since they speak proper French out of the book, I'm golden. I'm talking to everybody. I'm having <laughs> conversations. My grammar is all on point. I'm feeling great about myself. So, um, yeah, I just want to end on that high note that um, of the trip. So, yeah, it was a fun time. Awesome. Um, and if anyone has the opportunity to go, I would definitely say um, go to Senegal. Mm. I wanted to see what Africa, like real Africa, you know, I went to South Africa last year for the conference I was in California for it was in South Africa last year. So I went to South Africa last year. That isn't the Africa that you think of when you think Africa necessarily. Sure. Like I think you think of Western or Eastern Africa, places like that. Um, so I've always wanted to go to like Africa, Africa. And so Senegal was it. Ghana might be next. Hey, I haven't gone anywhere yet. Um, I go to I go to Napa for the the wine influencer boot camp at UC Davis. Uh, I go there uh, in a few weeks, so that's my first trip. And then I'm going to Portland uh, later in the fall. But yeah, that's it. That that's Ooh. you know yeah. You like Portland? I love Portland. Do you? I I was so I would say great food. Great Amen. Food, yes, indeed. Right. Um, and of course you have Willamette Valley, so there's yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's and it's forty five minutes away. Yeah. So I I feel like if I live there, that would be that would be like the best. Like you just you you have food and you got wine. I've been um I've been once I've been once before and it was for work and I was like this is some of the best food I've ever had 
like in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, they have a big wine scene, uh, especially like their mm-hmm. urban wineries and breweries and stuff. So it was a great time. So this time I'm going back for leisure. So we'll definitely have to um, do more wine stuff. But yeah, you're right. The food is awesome. It's so Let fresh. Me know. I might be there. I might be there. Oh, OK. All right. So, you <laughs> <Okay>. know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also, um, I took my mom to Hell's Kitchen. Um, if you guys didn't know, there is now a Hell's Kitchen, Gordon Ramsay's Hell's Kitchen, in at the wharf in DC. And um, you know, it's I get mixed opinions about it. I got, oh, it's overrated. And then I get it's fantastic. So I was like, ah, mm-hmm. let me see for myself. I don't know. I was a big fan of Hell's Kitchen when it started. So I was like, let's just see. And my mom watched the show as well. So we went on Friday. It was fantastic. No, no, it's not for everybody. The menu is not very large. It's a very, uh, it's a minimal menu, but what they do do is good. What they do prepare Mm. is excellent. Um, What did I have? I had, we had scallops. Perfect. I had lobster risotto. And that's, (laughs) that's what, when, when you watch the show, that's what people got yelled at for the most the risotto not being perfect so I was like this risotto better be good <laughs> so right. um but no You're it was right. it was absolutely stunning and probably the best salmon I've ever had prepared and it's called crispy skin salmon because that's what it's supposed to be the skin is supposed mm-hmm. to be super crispy and it was like luscious and tender on the you know on the inside it was it was perfect so the execution yeah. of the food was amazing the service was top-notch so yeah it was great it was a good time. It has to be right. It's Gordon Ramsay. Is exactly. It has to be. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you heard it from me. It's not overrated. They execute food. They treat it very well. Oh wait, how was your weekend, Elise? What have been? What have you been up to? Well, oh man, um, weekend. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> no, I connected. I connected with uh, some great friends. I am. Going to be leaving Boston for um for a few months, um so I can't can't yet share where I'm going gotcha. yet, but I will. Um, so it was, it's been kind of like saying saying a little goodbye to my dear friends. Um, and so yesterday spent some time on the Charles River, which is one of my favorite things about Boston is the river. Um, so it's a really great place to be, especially in the summertime. Um, to sit by the river when it's so hot here. There's always a breeze by the river. So you just bring your picnic blanket, you get some food and you just sit there with whoever or by yourself. And so, yeah, we just sat there and and enjoyed the view and the breeze um, of the Charles. And, um, and then, yeah, I think Saturday was connecting with another friend. I'm working on... Um, uh, a dinner that's coming up soon so Cameroon Cameroon dinner um mm. or dishes and so we were talking about what that's like so that I can pick the wines for that so really great time just on Saturday for like three hours just meeting this person for the first time in person in person and connecting and just being like you want to we just stay here for three hours and just talk and get to know each other. So it was really wonderful. So that was my weekend. Yeah. Just connecting with people and nice taking it easy, I guess. Yeah. I've actually never been yeah. to Boston. You know, it's funny. Uh, you're not the first person to say that. Uh, yeah. I feel like Boston kind of gets overlooked and I'm, I may or may not understand why. Uh, well, 
Well, <laughs> girl, you know why? <laughs> do I? No, I do. Girl, I do. you know why? <laughs> Boston. Listen, um, I love Boston. It has its flaws, and so I'm not going to skirt around that. Um, and I think I think I was telling a friend who is from DC also and has been here for two years for a school program um, at Boston University. And this year he's giving Boston a chance because every you know last summer mm-hmm. he was just like I am out of here as soon as my classes are over, right? Wow. And this yeah. year, this summer, he was like, you know what? Like, let me give Boston a chance. And so. Uh, Friday, I actually showed him um, one of my favorite places to go to, the Institute of Contemporary Arts, ICA. It's right on the waterfront. They host these First Friday events that I, my best friend, I used to love going to until pandemic. And so, but they were having an event called Topic Like It's Hot, and it was a Caribbean theme. And so, oh, nice. you know, oh my gosh, it's just, it's beautiful. It's on the water. And there was a carnival, um, carnival, uh, uh, essentially like show a mini mini show like faction show going on and the music was Caribbean brilliant just it was so many beautiful black and brown people at this event um and so I was like see it's not so bad in Boston right so (laughs) what I said to him was with Boston you have to you have to understand that yes it has its flaws and then you have to find the thing that that is Mm. good about it as well and make it find your your pocket and and the thing that's good about it and that's what you have to do with Boston so for me it's it's the river um it's beautiful it's finding your people around Boston who love it just as much knowing very well that it's it's a flawed city three hours north and you're in the White Mountains right um additional hour north you're in Vermont in the Green Mountains and so I I think the proximity to the mountains, the ocean, the lakes, um, it's, it's a good place for me. It's very green. You're pretty yeah. much saying that the mountains is your middle ground. Cause I was listening to the podcast you were on yes. the Italian wine podcast and you were mm. making bread with a wood fired oven in the Listen. Poconos. You didn't mm-hmm. like that very much from the way you described it. Well, the, the location. The look, I think I, I didn't like, I wouldn't say, honestly, it's more that I didn't even get to explore the the, the area as much because I was working six days a week gotcha. um, as an apprentice, right? It was like, it was, and from like morning till night. So like you start off on the farm, moving chicken coop into fresh grass, and then you get into the bakery and you're in there for a while. And then if if it's your turn to to essentially set the fire um, in the oven, like to build a fire inside a wood fire oven, which mind you, this isn't like when they say wood fire, they literally mean wood. Like we're building like fire inside our oven that has to burn throughout the night. And by the time you come back at 7 a.m. in the morning, that oven better be at minimum like 1500 degrees, right? And then it starts to cool down so that by the time we're ready to bake, it's at 700 degrees and it lowers itself. So it, it's sometimes it's 7 a.m. to 1 a.m., right? And so 
I didn't have time to really explore the area and and the proximity to the Poconos. Like I wish I had time to go into the Poconos because I do very much love being your mountains and and mountainous areas. So yeah, I it was serious work and I just never had time to explore. So and then it was isolating because there's not much else happening if you're not going into the mountains and doing yeah. that. There's you know, not much happening in that town, which most people from Pennsylvania don't even know where this town is located, right? <laughs> so a bit isolating. So I didn't love that. I didn't like being isolated. So with Boston, I feel like I, I have the city, but also because I'm not necessarily a city person, I know exactly when to go into Boston. I know where around Boston to go to get the best of the city. And then I can very easily retreat. And then gotcha. I can very easily get into the mountains when I really need to be. So yeah it's yeah that makes sense don't know how we got into that but anyway no. you should come to there it is you should come to Boston because listen I just had another friend Tiket um Bramlett of Our Legacy Harvested just came out here for an event we did a couple weeks ago and she had never been and I was just like let me show I mean she was here for literally a day so it was not a lot of time but she got to get I okay. mean she got an opportunity to sort of see a little glimpse of it and she was just like this is a pretty great, you know, it's, it, okay. it, you have to just know where to go. Yeah. To appreciate it. So. Noted. Gotcha. So come to Boston. <laughs> when I'm here, when I'm here, come and I'll show Right. You when parts. you're there. Yeah. So speaking of food and baking bread and all the things and gastronomy, mm. tell me, tell me how you grew up and how your connection with food started. Mm. Wow. That's always like a super loaded question because um it doesn't it doesn't start I think well I will say so I'm from I'm originally from South Sudan I was born in South Sudan um grew up in Uganda um my family fled into Uganda which is a bordering country with South Sudan um because of the many uh wars that has taken place in that at the time country Sudan until it split um a bit ago um, and so I was in Uganda before coming to the U.S. So I would say the food part of my uh, of, of side of me it was cultivated uh, unbeknownst to me um, back home. And so coming to the U.S., uh, you know, it's such a drastic transition from a village to uh, <laughs> New Hampshire <laughs> in the U.S. So from the equator to like the North Pole, basically. Um, and we came at such a cold time. So I just remember like my first time seeing snow was like, you know, November 20th or something. And my sister and I was just like, is that sugar? Um, we, we did not know what snow was. Um, but so coming to the US and having a culture shock for a long time. And then I think really realizing that food food became important to me because it was lacking food was such an important part of my life until it was not it was not there in the way that I was used to if that makes sense yeah that makes right? sense um yeah so you know it's like uh, basically the first 10 years in the U.S. um I knew that there were some things were missing but you just come and you kind of have to really like put your head down immerse yourself and try to understand I didn't speak English so it's like focusing on learning the language and understanding the culture a bit. And meanwhile, trying to go to school and do all the things that you were sent to do, which is focus on school, get your education. So I feel like the first 10 years was just doing that. And 
when I got to college, I realized that I that I was there was something that was missing in my life, and that was the relationship to food, right? So there was no access to all of the foods that I grew up to uh, grew up with, the fruits and vegetables that I grew up with. And whenever I would see one or two of them in a grocery shop, they were so expensive, and I just didn't understand because we grew them, right? Like passion food is exotic, and you get a shrivel shrivel passion food, and it's like five dollars, and I was like, no, <laughs> you know, there's not much happening in that fruit. For me to pay five dollars for right um so it it really wasn't until i got into my not my first major which is hospitality but my my dual major which is in um really sustainable agriculture um it's called uh eco gastronomy which is the ecology of food right the ecology of gastronomy and through that i really was pulled into um the importance of of food as a connector, of bringing people together, um, but also the importance of of sustainable agriculture, of sourcing locally, of um, farmers as land stewards, and that I was just like, oh my gosh, that is that is what I come from. I just, just I just didn't realize that we had to say that this was important. It has been part of my life, and now here it was, and. Through that study, I ended up in in Italy for uh, a semester. Um, through that program, I ended up in Italy for a semester, and you know, really seeing the Italians. Um, essentially, this is their way of life. Food brings everyone together. They cook seasonality from you know from local ingredients, seasonal ingredients, and it felt so natural to me. And that's when I kind of realized that I'd been missing that without realizing it. Um, but that wasn't what that wasn't what happens in the U.S., especially here um, where I was. So then it was it was weird because then I fell in love with food, <laughs> which, you know, like coming from my culture, food isn't something we specialize in. We don't go to school to study agriculture um, in, a, in this way. We don't go in to say, oh, my gosh, you know, um, food is important and land stewardship. It's just what we do. It's part of how we we live. My family, I come from a farming family. And so to look at food from this new perspective and to really have this love for it and, and build a passion around it was really new. But that's essentially how I got into food was through the study where I was like, oh my gosh, I've been missing this all along. Looking for somewhere to advertise? Consider the Swirl Suite podcast. Yep, right here. The Swirl Suite is now open for pre-roll advertisements, mid-roll advertisements, or post-roll advertisements. Some of our packages even include a social media shout out. If you're interested in sponsoring one episode or perhaps more, simply email us at swirlsuite at gmail.com. Cheers. So when you decided on your second major, what did you mm -hmm. plan to do with that when you graduated? Um, was your the idea about your bistro that that come first? That's what you wanted to do. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I forgot <laughs> about it. <laughs> so yes, the idea of the bistro really came about while I was studying in Italy. Right, like being able to experience. We try to, as the English students or the the American students, I should say, um, we try to visit different towns nearby during the weekends um and so on these trips we ate 
uh, different Italian foods. We, I mean, we found ourselves like in the border of France and Italy, um, really experiencing all that. And all I kept seeing were just these very small um, mom and pop places that made food with such soul. Their hands were in everything and you know, it's like running out the back and grabbing some fresh herbs. And I just thought, my gosh, like that's that's how we cooked. And also that's how I want to be able to create um, meaningful, wholesome food and connection, right? So I started dreaming of owning my own tiny, tiny bistro, like like so small that I would be the only one that really ran it, right? Because I mean, at the time I just, I um, I think I'm I'm a lot more, in the kitchen, I can work with other people now, but before it was really like, if I had a vision for a dish or how uh, um, a meal would go, it was really hard for me to delegate these tasks um, to other people. And so at that time, I very much was like, I will be making everything, you know, by myself. And so it has to be such a small place that I can handle that, right? Kid dreams, I love it. Um, so yeah, I, I wanted to own this bistro, but what I wanted to do was to cook everything out of a wood-fired oven that's really what propelled me into pursuing this apprenticeship in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, um, in learning how to bake bread in a wood-fired oven. Because in my mind, I thought, first thing first, you need to learn how to use a wood-fired oven, right? And then second, you can bring this, I, this dream of a bistro where you're cooking everything from appetizers to dessert in a wood-fired oven. You're sourcing locally and growing, you know, whatever you can on your own. So just this this beautiful, very unrealistic at times um, all by vision of mine. All by myself. Oh my goodness. All by myself. I can still see the dream in my mind. I'm like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> like, <laughs> did, you, did you watch Bear? And I have not seen it yet. I okay. have not seen it, but I want to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I will get to that at some point to yeah. watching Bear. When all I have, all I have to say is like, I've never wanted to work in a restaurant. And now watching Bear, I definitely will never work in a restaurant after watching it. Oh, I'm it's there like, with you. It's, 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 it looks mm -hmm. traumatizing. I'm good. I'm good. Oh, it is, right? Yeah. Honestly, actually, like, that was part of the reason why I, I was scared out of going to culinary school because ultimately, hospitality was never what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. It was just sort of like the, it was the, the food adjacent to what I truly Got wanted you. to do, which was to go to culinary school. But as a kid, you just watch too many chef shows where everybody gets yelled at. Absolutely scared me out of my mind yeah. about going to culinary school, right? So to today, do not want to work in a restaurant either. It is such hard work. Um, even if chefs aren't yelling at you, it is still very much um, difficult work. Yeah. So yeah, no for interest sure. in, in working in a restaurant, um, especially for someone else. So so where did the wine yeah. come in? Well, you got to know wine to own a bistro. <laughs> Can't you see this kid dream? True. Come on. <laughs> right, but that's that's literally that's literally as simple as I can say it because you know, I I there was a pivot that I had to make, right? So when I completed my apprenticeship as a bread baker, I fell hard for for bread, right? I fell in love with bread. Um the the process of working with your hand is still something that I, I very much love. So I still bake bread, actually, almost like once a week, I bake bread. Um, so I really love that. As hard as the work was, it didn't deter me from wanting to pursue that. 
Really um, quick. If so, you started a, be- a bread making class, I would pay whatever it was. And I would love <laughs> to learn how to make bread. I just want to throw it out there. Listen, girls bakery. Okay. Said that. I can't do it. Yeah. We'll talk. We'll talk, Sarita, because I, I love baking and I, I love being able to teach people how to bake because it's one of those skills that once you get the basics and you give yourself the patience to to play around and understand what's happening. My gosh, it's like one of those useful skills. Like every time I bake bread and every time I'm able to rescue a dough because I I stayed somewhere too long and the dough's been sitting being like, hello, like what are we doing? I have the skills to be able to know what to do with what I almost just messed up and to rescue it. And you can bake bread and it's simple, it's delicious, it's good for you. I love having that skill. I love that I did that when I was younger, right? So I, I'm more than happy to to show you how to do that if you wanted to. Um, but um, so how do we get into wine? I So I continued, I pursued bread. After I left the apprenticeship, I wanted to work um, with bread and I really wanted to ideally work in a bakery that was using organic ingredients, sourcing flowers as locally as possible, which was kind of uh, where I was, um, and making a hundred percent sourdough. Like I am, I am hardcore sourdough like fanatic, and and now my stomach also prefers per- fermented bread. I can't eat unfermented bread, right? So, not gonna say it. Not gonna say gluten free. Um, but I, <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> Fell in love with that. Want to continue. But after being in such a remote area and then realizing that all of the bakeries that were essentially where I wanted to work were in the middle of nowhere, like middle of nowhere, Vermont, middle of, no, middle of nowhere, Maine. I was just like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Right. So I had some family friends, um, who live in Boston, near Boston, a town near Boston, who were like, you know, why don't you come to Boston? Check out some of the bakeries here um, and and see if if you'd want to work here. So I moved, I essentially moved to Boston for that. Um, ended up working at a pretty well-known bakery for about two and a half years. And then my body was like, we're done. Like, it, I think I was probably like 24 years old then. And I was waking up at 2 a.m. to go in by 3 a.m. And yeah, like, Whew, that was my schedule for for a bit and I just remember being like I'm aging really like I'm tired right so the pivot came when I felt that I needed to to take a break and do something else and so I went back to the drawing board what classes did you take in college that you like because I hadn't been out of college that long right at 24 it's still pretty new and so I not even kidding you I was just like wine class that wine class was great and I took that course an elective and I remember um the next year volunteering to become a teacher's assistant just so I could learn more there was no upper level for that course and so I was like you know you'll learn more grading students works and and, and it's really it was a great way to learn more about wine and so I was just like I love that why don't we explore wine and it'll be great to know wine for your bistro someday right still very much basic puzzles here okay we're doing basic puzzle pieces (laughs) so I pivot really I pivot really hard into wine it was just like we need to know wine and so I applied to work at a wine shop a fine wine shop and they hired me not knowing very much but I just smiled a lot during my interview I was very excited about learning wine and they hired me 
and they paid for my WSAT level three. Um, they wouldn't pay for anything less. So I just jumped, you know, feet in into level three, forget one and two. We just went for three and wow. we got a certification. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's, that's how I got into one. You yeah. served as a consultant. Were you in sales? distributor I was so yes so well so I did the the I was in retail for a year and a half and then wanted more um mm. and so I moved over to the dark side as they call it of distribution uh distribution <laughs> so I went over to distribution side as a sales rep um consultant so I did that for about four years before you know leaving that so yeah. Huh. So I read that in 2021, you left mm-hmm. your position as a wine consultant. What was the motivation behind that? And what did you do after? Uh, didn't do anything. Um, but motivation Fair. was, right? I was just like, I don't know what I want to do exactly, but this isn't it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so the motivation was that I... You know, after the George Floyd murder, every company um, came out, especially major companies came out with mission statements or um, just uh, statements, right? We're doing, we're going to do better, blah, 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 you know, just denouncing what they needed to do optically. And for me, when my company did that, I just thought, oh, you want to change? Let's change, right? And so... They hired a DEI consultant and I wanted to be part of that change. I wanted to, I essentially wanted to hold them accountable for what they said they wanted to do, right? The consultant reached out to me. I want to, I was one of five people that was in charge that was tasked with putting together a DEI committee at this, uh, this uh, distribution company. So we did that. We chose 22, 20 people from across the company. So the the distribution company is quite big. It has acquired other smaller distributors over the years. And so we chose 20 people to be part of the committee and then did, you know, assessments of what work needed to be done and all of that. And so I was really embedded into it. And I, I to the point where I took a certification course, um, online certification course on DEI through Cornell. After about 10, 10 months, of doing this work, it got really frustrating to me because I I felt that the committee members were, they wanted to to really enact real change, but leadership was not there yet. They wanted to hold the break something, wanted to quote unquote, do their due diligence, to do it the right way. And for me, that was frustrating because it felt like an excuse, right? You've had 400 years to, to be, you know, to do your due diligence and to do it the right way. So why don't you just do something? And then if you need to course correct, that's more forgivable than not doing anything. Um, And so I got very frustrated because that very much felt to me like an excuse. And if also what it told me was that they were not truly ready to do the work because they didn't know what the work was. And when we told them what the work was, they were not ready for that. So I left um with frustration and I left thinking I wanted to do DEI consultant consultation for other um distributors and wine companies and then so two months I took two months off travel with my best friend before she moved back to Germany 
And in that two months, I had the realization that I would hit the same frustration or the same wall with other companies because ultimately a lot of them are not ready to acknowledge the work that needs to be done and then to actually do it, right? It, it, takes, it takes money and investment and it takes sitting in a very uncomfortable position uh, situation position. And a lot of them are just really not willing to do that. It's it's easier to say we want to change. And then when it comes time to change, that they were not actually ready for that. So I was just like, yeah, that's not gonna work either because I'm just gonna hit this point with a lot of them. So I really just had to think about what about wine do I love? Where do I see challenges in this industry? And how do I do DEI work in a way that isn't just diversity, equity, inclusion? Because now that's such it's become such a buzzword that I felt like it was kind of losing its meaning already, even immediately, it was already losing meaning. I wanted to do more and I, I really didn't know what more was. And it just took me a minute to kind of figure out what I was passionate about wine, what I felt we were not, what was lacking in terms of us connecting wine drinkers to wine, um, the challenges and the realization came that it was in the language of wine. I felt that a lot of people, and having been a rep, having done so many tasting with with wine drinkers and consumers, I could see, I could always see their um, their hesitation um, into into engaging with wine. Right? They they always question their experience with wine, their palate with wine, um, their knowledge of wine. Because the moment that they they saw me as the wine professional, they immediately retrieved because they they assumed I know so much that what they knew was of little value. And I thought that was so problematic that we had put them in those positions as wine professionals. And, and so I just real I, I was like, this, this can't be it. Like, so in a way, like going back to my, my appreciation for how food connects people. And I see wine being the exact same thing. I just thought what a missed opportunity, but also how sad is it that this thing that should bring more people together, regardless of their background, was actually keeping them back. And that also that we as an industry need them. We need people to feel engaged because otherwise we don't have an industry, right? And so I knew that part of it was in the language and because I had also felt it. I had felt that, you know, with wine, I'd learned to, I have two languages. I have my own language of wine and then I have the Eurocentric language of wine that I've been taught to use. And I knew that that was part of the problem was using this language that on like ultimately most people don't relate to regardless of your background we don't relate to these languages and so how do we change that so that more people feel invited and so that was really the catalyst of well my company the wine linguist focusing on wine as a language um, a language that is for everybody because it's not one language it's it's really a personal language of wine Long-winded, you asked. No, well said. <laughs> that was perfect. Well, so what exactly do you do with the wine linguist? Uh, are you still a consultant in any way? And what, like, do you offer any services? I do, yeah. So um, consulting, I mean, it's really interesting because I think I'm sort of, I've, I've essentially embarked on this new uh, path, a very unpaved path, um, because my work is really focused on shifting the language and culture of wine uh, 
because it needs to be. We need to find a different way of talking about wine. We need to find, we need to be able to invite other cultures um, into wine. And that's the way that we change the approachability, um, accessibility of wine. And so I always say, you know, I am trying to to shift the language and culture of wine so that more people can be a part of wine. Um, and with that comes with like, what does that, what is your job title then, right? Because, um, you know, so yes, I'm a consultant in a way that in the future, I would like to be working with wine regions and wine producers and really helping them um, find a better way to market their wine to a much broader audience. And by broader audience, I really mean like the global South and its diaspora, because that's who is missing from, from the wine space, um, whether it's consumers or professionals in general. So how do we talk about wine in a way that, um, how do we market wine, talk about wine in a way that is a lot more accessible to a global majority? Um, so that I would say, yes, I'm a consultant and I'm a consultant because I was a consultant before having clients, um, restaurants and, and retail, uh, off-premise and on-premise, um, clients. Uh, but ultimately my, you know, I, I am aiming to become a wine educator because, you know, wine education is something that is still very much dominated by, by really one, one or two, um, organizations and, I think that wine education is quite problematic because we are still teaching people a very standardized language of wine. And if I'm saying we need to shift it, then those organizations need to shift, but that's not necessarily going to happen, right? And so ultimately, the education that I'm trying to provide will will do a little bit to undo some of what is being taught. And I understand that we have to get our papers, especially as um, the historically mar marginalized communities that you got to get your paper to show that you're smart and that you're qualified to be in this space and other spaces. But, you know, I'm, I'm catching people essentially as they come out of these certification programs and then essentially having to tell them to unlearn some of these things immediately. You know, it's like take the foundations that you're given, but everything else throw out because when it comes to wine language and wine experience and who gets to be part of it, throw all that out. Because if you if you take everything they give you and you continue with it, then we have an industry that's exactly however how it was and which has kept a lot of us out of it. And so, you know, my wine education and I've taught wine classes um, at, uh, you know, university, I've taught for a wine class, uh, wine school, and also just when I host tastings. My tastings aren't just about like, oh, you know, this is really nice, da, da, da. I really try to impart foundational knowledge on on my guests and uh, participants. So they're engaging, they're informative, and they're fun, of course. Um, and what I always like to teach people is that there are some things about wine that are foundational and uh, that people need to understand. But when it comes to the language and how you experience wine, we should not standardize that. And I will not tell people how they should experience wine, what they should be smelling and tasting and, you know, what kind of foods they should be pairing with. But what I want them to know is like, these are the components that make up a wine, right? Tannins, acidity, um, alcohol, and sugar. And when you start to understand the relationship those four components have to a wine and what that translates to um, in your preference for wine, my gosh, like the whole thing opens up, right? Because then you start to, to think, okay, 
I like high acid wine with a little bit of tannin, or I like low acid wine, medium tannin, low alcohol, um, you know, what, however all those combinations um, happen. And then you start to understand regionality, right? Like terroir, as we call them. Then you can start to understand, okay, when a wine comes from a cool climate, this is the body it's going to showcase. And do I like that as a preference, right? So giving people the, the structure to understand the body of a wine as relates to their preference. That is what I think we as wine professionals really should focus on. Not so much telling people how to experience a wine and what they're smelling and what they should be smelling. I, I just, I think it limits the conversation. That's where we really keep people out. So as a wine educator um, that I aspire to be, that that's what I would like to focus on um, to really give people those foundational knowledge and then to, to really be able to get them to explore wine in a way that is more meaningful to them um, and has nothing to do with my palate, but really their palates. No, that makes uh, total sense. I, when I worked at a winery, I know that a few of my coworkers, they started to panic when we had to showcase a new wine and there were no tasting mm. notes. They couldn't right. formulate those thoughts. They were like, well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. What, what should I say? And I'm like, tell the story. Yeah. You taste the wine. You drink wine. You know, you don't need to rehearse tasting notes. Exactly. You can create your own. That's a real fear. It's a real fear that happens. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think that's a shame that we've gotten to a point where we think it has to be rehearsed when yeah. really wine, much like food, is an experience. It's not sure it should and it should not be one way. Right. It's not one way or, or no way. What are you Ooh, drinking? What yeah. am I drinking? Me. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, I am enjoying uh, margins margins uh shannon blanc it's Ooh. a skin contact shannon blanc from megan bell um i actually met megan while teaching uh co-teaching a wine class this past january and we tasted one of her wines i was just like oh man like this is really cool and where is it from i'm not familiar uh so contra costa uh which is you know i th think was the, probably an area of California that a lot of wine used to be produced before Napa was Napa. Okay. And so they have some old vines um, and also varietals that are not the most pop popular. So Margins, the name, the, her name, wine name rather, Margins is really like the varietals that are like on the margins ah. um, that aren't like the, they're not like the popular overdone varietals. Yeah, Ooh. I am uh, drinking kombucha. It's his cab so Yes. Well, yeah. look at you. Hello. Yeah. Hey, hello it's, it's, it's not even. It's not even open. I use my Corvin, so I can mm. save a little. I'm yeah, sure I, I think I Corvin. might invest in one of those now. I don't have one yet. Oh, I have. I you think, should. You. Yeah, I, it's too. worth it. Yeah. Mm. I don't know why I've been holding out all this time, but um, it's worth I it. It's, it's worth time. it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Probably I have right. two as well. All right, so we're just going to do a this and that. You can or mm. you don't have to give an explanation. Here we go. We'll run through them. Okay. Brand name or generic? It depends. I don't know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be more. You got to be Are we more talking like food? Are we talking <laughs> clothes? I'm guessing wine. I'm, I'm thinking food. No, wine. food. Let's go food. Wow. Okay. Food. Oh, food. Yeah. Food. Oh, I don't Gen necessarily care. Generic food or brand food? Oh, okay. Oh, you really don't know yeah, what I mean, I'm talking like, about. Okay. I right. Like cheer like, like actual Cheerios or like circle O's. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. like that kind of thing. 
Thank you, Tanisha. Or like a like, like a Snickers bar or like a chocolate crunch bar. Like exactly. Like, like is that yeah. what you mean? Um, yes. Yeah, generic. Because listen, generic. I'm like one of those people that goes to CVS, and if if the thing says um, similar or compare, I'll just go with the generic. Okay. Because why am I paying for the brand name? Okay. If it's yeah. Okay. <laughs> It depends. Some things like a Snickers, sure. it has to be a Snickers. Like you're not eating anything else. Or yes. Frosted Flakes have to be Frosted Flakes, mm-hmm. not crunchy cereal. Like yeah. it can't. Well, I, that's true. That's that's fair. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. But like Wait, orange I juice, that. I don't yeah. care. Tropicana, right. Donald Duck, Kroger, I I that I don't care. But now I have Wait, to go back so. because I am particular about that. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next, injera or non? depends what you're eating because they're so different those two yes but yes they're so so different because i they're i will say they're the dishes actually will interchange because um indian cuisines and ethiopian cuisines actually share a decent amount in spice sure Uh, yeah well, I shouldn't say that. That's that's a broad generalization. But they're similar. They're similar there yeah. in flavor. They'll work. Yeah, they'll both. You can interchange them. So I have I have a little bit of both. Okay, fair. Tanisha, non. Got you. Um, it took you? me a while to to grow into injera, but I I really like it now. Um, yeah. I'm gonna say both too. Both. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Call first thing in the morning or call in the middle of the night. First thing in the morning. First thing in the morning. Because yeah, my I'm night. I'm a morning first thing. Yeah. 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 Same. <laughs> you, pro- you probably interrupted something if you call me at night. Yeah. Um, I'm not answering. My phone's on like. Whether it's disturb. sleep or I'm out with the girls <laughs> or I'm out with yeah. somebody else. Like you're interrupting something if yeah. you call mm. me at night or text I, me at night. You know, it's hard. I'm going to say neither because I am an early riser, but don't call me early in the morning. I do not like to talk early um, in the morning. I, I am up. I am productive. I might exercise. I might do all these things, clean the house, but I am not talking. So I'm going to go with neither. That's, neither. Neither. Oh, yeah, don't I have call, so much don't to call say me. in the morning. No, in the morning. <laughs> me oh too. Denisha, me so too. I'm like, I'm like, I, I'm like right? I don't know if it was something happened in the dreams or the brain synapses <laughs> were going. In the morning, I have things to say. Oh my God. Yeah, I got to get them out. So call me in the morning. You're going to get an earful. Yeah. I will yeah. say I'm both because I I if I'm with somebody who is a is okay being talkative in the morning I'm game but you have some people who are like don't talk to me in the morning I'm I'm okay too I will mm-hmm. I will still be I'm very I don't need coffee I don't drink coffee um mm-hmm. and sometimes I have tea but I am like wide awake and so yeah. if you want to engage I'll engage if you don't want to engage I'm okay so yeah either but definitely morning not night because you're not disturbing me I will does not answer your call like i must sleep i am out <laughs> so <laughs> okay papusa or tamale mm. they're so different though one has they cheese are. yeah tamale base and i want it from the guy who walks around to the bars and sells them out of like a cooler <laughs> that's oh, a oh, is, is that something that happens in paris in chicago Oh, I was gonna say. Hope I don't think tamales yeah. is in Paris. Just like yeah, no. there are no tacos in Paris. Uh, well, tacos have come here. Tacos are they getting there? Okay. Yeah. Well, look at that. 
It's just like they um, opened another I... Popeyes, but we're going to say that for the after call. <laughs> so, okay. 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 Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I will say um, tamales kind of remind me of something that I grew up with, which is also like a, like a corn um, ground, roughly ground and, and, and boiled inside um, banana leaves as well. So there's no oh. stuffing inside it, but we gotcha. do it that way. Then you eat it with other things. So it kind of reminds me a little bit of, yeah, a little bit of home. Okay. Uh, you? Ooh, this is hard. I'm going <laughs> to say pupusa. I'm going to say pupusa. Yeah. I'm I mean, someone had to choose it, right? It's, it's delicious. Yes. There's nothing yes. against it. They're yeah. wonderful. They're wonderful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Photos or videos? Of what? <laughs> that? Let's just say of you. <laughs> you. Okay. Let's go with social media. You rather post photos or videos? I'd rather post photos, but I like taking videos. I know that sounds yeah. weird. What? No, I get it. Where though. We are. I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, I like that. I post photos, but I take a bunch of videos. Okay, but you don't post them. No, you see my account. Mm-mm. Okay, got it. Okay. Why not? Because you, have, you, just have to, you just have to do things with video. Like, you yeah, don't usually right. just edit. point and shoot. Like, you have to edit and put like a yeah. couple videos together. I got you. But with a photo, it's like, oh no, I'm posting this yeah. immediately. Video, mm-mm, yeah. That's work that I am like oh I'm gonna do it then I'm like I'm not doing this (laughs) yeah I think I think for me like yes I tend to post more pictures but ultimately I'm trying to move more into videos because I I want to engage more with people Mm -hmm. so you know even though I'm getting used to the sound of my own voice uh Mm -hmm. yeah I kind of I like being able to engage with people so I would say videos but working on it so future yeah. outlook video. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Um, me videos tell more of a story. So I'm mm, videos. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Uh, cool. random question. Are you guys on thread yet? Oh good God. I haven't even <laughs> caught up with all the other stuff yet. Got it. So no. Tanisha? I'm on it. I'm on it, but that's the extent. Like I downloaded yeah. it. That's, what is it like? That's oh, where we are. I was like, what is it like? <laughs> like, no, I just I just downloaded it. Right. I'm, I'm on yeah. it. I've been on Sarita? it for, what, three days now. Look at you. Well, look at you. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, on you. it's very similar to Twitter. It's, you know. Sarita's See, an I early was never, adopter, I was so never on Yeah. Oh, you were never That's on Twitter. Fair. Okay. I was never on Twitter. I never, I tried, I signed up one time and I was like, nope, I don't know what to do here. So I left. Got you. Oh, yeah. Then don't yeah. get on threads. Don't even download no. it. Because once you get yeah. here, once you get on threads, then you can't separate. Like, you're always on it. Like, if you delete that, then you also delete your Instagram. That's, oh, really? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's messed up. Yeah, because once, yeah, you, so once just... you sign, because once you sign on, it's pretty much you can um, duplicate your Instagram profile and all yeah. of your followers. Yeah. And you have this option to follow all. And so I think what a lot of people are saying is, you know what, this new app is making me refresh my content, is making me refresh who I follow. So, I mean, there's okay. some, you know. Some good. Some okay. good with it, so. Yeah, let me just, let me just figure out <laughs> the socials first. Girl, you yeah, need to get yeah. in that. Mm-mm. Well, at least oh this was gosh. so fun. Thank you for joining us, Well Sweet. Thank you. Oh thanks. Thank, yeah, thanks for having me. This is of wonderful. Course. Thank yeah, tell everybody fun. where they can follow you. 
So you can find me on my IG at The Wine Linguist. So I'm, I'm pretty active on there. Easiest way to find me. And, you know, you can shoot me a message on there. I will answer. You can also send me an email at thewinelinguist at gmail.com. Or, yeah, thewinelinguist at gmail.com. So, yep. Awesome. Tanisha, any announcements before we go? Uh, no, no announcements. Uh, just one announcement yeah. for me. I'm still in the running for favorite chef. It's an online vote on- for Serena. <laughs> it's an online competition. Ooh. It's just votes. That's all it is. Um, so this is the fourth round. So <laughs> I've made it Ooh. to the fourth vote round. For Ser- the group is getting thinner. So at first I had to be in the top 20, then the top 15, then the top 10. So now it's Four. the top. Good. That is amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. That's so fantastic. now I have to make it in the top five and I am number six. Okay. So need your votes. Wow. All right. Yeah. So we got to vote 45 wow. times a day. No, uh, yeah. the link will be in the, <laughs> in the show notes. All right, guys, that is a wrap. Thanks for joining this world suite. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Leave us five stars and leave us a comment. We love ratings. Also, be sure to follow all of us on social media. Myself at Vine Me Up. Glenn is at Vino Noir. Girl Meets Glass is Tanisha. Vino 301 is Leslie. And you can follow the Swirl Suite podcast account at Swirl Suite. The Swirl Suite is now a part of the Alive Podcast Network. This episode has been edited and produced by Vine Me Up Media.